parental guidance is suggested. Drive home with Anthony. All right, here we go. Drive home podcast. And I just got in my car, and it's like a thousand degrees. We've had such screwed up weather in the Northeast the past few days, where like outside it's like 37 and freezing, but you get in your car after the sun baking on it, like a million degrees in here. Oh, sorry, sorry. I broke the rules. I broke the Hamptons rules. In the Hamptons, we have this rule, which I think is a rule in the rest of the country, which is uh, don't be an asshole and be courteous to folks crossing the street. See, in the five boroughs, uh, this rule does not exist. In Manhattan, in the city, Queens, Brooklyn, if you cross the street, you're taking your life into your own hands. It's your problem, buddy. But out here, and I believe in the rest of society, if you cross the street, it is up to the car to yield to the pedestrian, or the pedestrian, as I like to say, and uh, let you go. So uh, I just screwed that up. An elderly gentleman was crossing the street, and I didn't realize in time, and he had to wait for me to pass. Maybe I'm distracted because I'm doing a broadcast. I'm not quite sure what it is. But at any rate, fuck that guy. For all I know, he could be, uh, you know, an abusive husband. So maybe that piece of shit needed to wait. Okay? Maybe we don't have to yield to wife abusers. In fact, I'm in full favor of that. I'm going to write my congressman as soon as I get home. Perhaps we can come up with some way to identify wife abusers in public... This way we know whether or not we can be mean to them. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, it was a uh, very nice, low-key week of radio. Not a lot of interviews or anything like that, but a hell of a lot of fun with the audience. I had a, a whole... I mean, every day, um, with the exception of, I think, Monday. Monday show was shit. But every other day was, like, just great interaction. The tweets... The, the tweeter is getting bigger and bigger, the tweeter following, so that's awesome. Uh, the uh, Facebook stuff is always golden, and um, the phones are always, they have always been hopping. And uh, so thank you for that. It just makes, makes it a lot of fun for me to come in and do it every day. It erases the fact that I have to wake up at a godforsaken hour. The interaction was great, and I asked for uh, questions, and I got a whole bunch of questions. So I'm going to roll through them as much as I can in our little drive home cast here. Um, we talked about the doors today on the show, on the Friday show, and whether or not they're overrated. Because this is something that I brought up is that a lot of people, because I talk about music with a lot of people, run into people, talk about music. A lot of people are like, eh, the doors are like overrated. And I'm like, you know what, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan and I'm not a huge hater. Kind of down the middle with the doors. You know, I dig some of their stuff, and some of their other stuff I could take or leave. I think Morrison was a cool guy. An asshole, but a cool guy. So I kind of brought it up on the air this morning, and um, it, it was mixed. It was mixed with people who love The Doors, and people who were like, nah, give me The Beatles, give me Led Zeppelin, you know, give me The Stones. I asked a couple of people, well, are The Doors top five? Are they top ten? 
in your list of all-time great bands, most of them were not top 5, 10, or 20. It was weird. Or maybe top 20, you know? But again, they were one of those bands that had that like short little time span, you know? Like, the Beatles were what, like six years? Like, what was Sullivan and Shea Stadium? What was that, like 64? And then they split in 70, you know? So they were very prolific in that time. I don't know if there was a more prolific band to produce music within a six-year period. I mean, it's kind of insane when you think about it, right? We talked about concerts back in the 60s and 70s and how a Beatles concert would be like a half hour. They'd roll through like 12 songs in a half hour and then they're done. You know, I remember talking about that. But when you look at the amount of music that they put out in a six-year time period, bands these days don't really do that. There's like two, three years in between albums sometimes. Like, I'm a big fan of Dave Matthews. Everybody knows that. But a, a Dave record comes along every three years now. You know, or you got people like Ryan Adams, who for a while there, Ryan Adams was writing a song an hour and then recording it and putting it out. When Ryan Adams passes away, hopefully 100 years from now, we will have enough Ryan Adams unreleased music to put out after his death for the next 400 years. It's not going to be a problem. We got all that shit like that. That fucker has been recording nonstop. I know it is. I know he has. Um, in fact, I'm going to send this podcast to the Ryan Adams folks with a note, all in caps, that said, don't deny it, you son of a bitch, and just wait for a response. Because I'm fairly certain he has been just writing and recording like crazy. In fact, I just read an article about Ryan Adams. I posted it on the Facebook page for WEHM Radio. Uh, all about how he's since slowed down. Like, he was writing and putting out stuff like crazy, and then he was doing, like, a heavy metal thing, and then he was doing, like, kind of a country thing, and then he was, like, all over the place. And then he kind of just, like, slowed down and focused all his effort into one album, and that was Ashes and Fire. And uh, that was, I think, a pretty smart move, seeing as how uh, that album came out fairly well, you know? So um, it's just kind of interesting the way some artists work. Some artists need that time, you know, and some artists don't. And the Doors had that really limited time frame. Uh, I forget what year they got together. I want to say like 66 or something, 65, 66. And then Morrison passed and I want to say 71. So they again had that time period. So when you when you put the Doors up against like, say, I don't know, the Beatles, it it just, uh, you know, the Beatles are a KO all the way. They've just, they were more, much more prolific in a six year time frame. You know, but like I said before on the air, it's kind of unfair because the Beatles in some way, shape, or form, albeit a solo effort, continued to put out music, whereas, you know, the Doors uh, really didn't. And the other thing I think that hurts the Doors is, and this got brought up by a bunch of listeners, is the fact that um, Morrison pulled out his dinky on stage. I, I, a lot of people didn't like that. I got him a lot of buzz and press at the time. And it's one of the his legacy moments. It's one of the things that people bring up constantly. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, pulled his dinky out. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But then we got into, uh, and I got a great call from Roberta, who's a great listener. Hear from her, you know, every so often. 
And she goes, she had a crush on Morrison, you know? She was like, dude, it did not get better than, than that. And then somebody else called and said, uh, you know, Morrison did for Leather Pants what uh, J-Lo did for Versace. Which I found a little too funny for a straight man. You know, it, it's a straight man shouldn't know what she's done for Versace, but I do for some odd reason. Call me whatever you want, that's fine. I know what I is. Uh, maybe I do like to read about fashion, all right? So mind your business. But anyway, I got her point. And the point is this. When you get a crush in, that, in those teenage years, when you have a crush on somebody, you can never, that, you can't take that away from that person. You just can't take that away from that person. Roberta called, and a couple of people emailed me, a couple, couple of people emailed me and, and agreed you know, that he was hot and remembers him without his shirt on and the leather pants and the whole... You had to hear these ladies going crazy. And, uh, it, you know, it made me think, and it's so true, when you have a crush on somebody when you're a teenager, that never, ever leaves you. Ever. You never had a crush when you were a teenager that you turned around, or a celebrity crush or a musical crush, whatever you want to call it. You never turn around and go, man, what was I thinking? That was, that was crazy. You always kind of go back to that and go, well, that's not my style these days, maybe. But yeah, I remember, I remember being crazy for so-and-so. But you never forget your teenage crush. That'll always stay with you. Girlfriends, I feel, is different. Or boyfriends. Like somebody that you are actually with, you can forget that pretty quickly. You can easily go, what the hell was I thinking with that? I don't even know what was going through my mind at the time. That's, easy. that's easily regrettable and forgettable. Um, but, uh, but celebrity crushes, stuff that never happened, for some reason, I think that that kind of stays with you. So I got a couple of questions about, uh, Jim Morrison, and, um, I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of torn down the middle. I don't know, really, how I feel about that band. Like, yeah, he was kind of an asshole, but, you know, that, I mean, that might have been something that really kind of made him great at the same time. I do know this. If I was in his band, I'd have punched him in the face because I wouldn't have tolerated half of that shit. Uh, all right. Here's a good question from Bob. Uh, Bob asked me, is it just me or does that Maverick song sound like it belongs in the end credits of a Quentin Tarantino movie? Loving it. Uh, hell yeah, Bob. Excellent question. And yes, it does. It does have that sort of rustic authentic, gritty kind of a feel to it uh, that would definitely belong in a Quentin Tarantino film. The interesting thing about Quentin Tarantino, and I love that guy, is he will write a whole movie based on a song. He never really says what songs, but I've read interviews with him and I've heard him say... You know, yeah, well, when it's time for me to get down and start writing, the first thing I do is go to my record collection. And I listen to music, and it puts me in the mood. And then whatever that mood is, I then turn into a story, and that's what becomes a film. And I love that. You know, I love that. There's some directors and writers that rely so heavily on music in their films, I mean, I think Scorsese is one of the more famous ones 
who really just puts his stamp on a film with music. But I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that their films are kind of, you know, that initial seed planting is done by music. I've never really heard that before. You always hear people say, well, I draw my personal experiences and that's what kind of makes it, you know, into my films and stuff like that. But you never really, I've never heard a director or a writer director say that before. Like, yeah, I go, I go and I listen to music and then I sit down and I start writing shit. And I just think that's so fascinating. And I would love to like experiment with Quentin Tarantino and play different shit for him and see what he comes out with. You know? I wonder what he would write about with, uh, with the Mavericks though. It'd probably be something just so kick-ass. Just like a Latin cowboy who just fucking running around Texas just making it happen. Just making shit happen. Just righting the wrongs and saving the day. Getting the girl. But in like the sweet Quentin Tarantino style, you know? This is why I'm not Quentin Tarantino. My little example right there was just terrible. But yeah, awesome question, Bob. I do feel that way. Uh, music kind of put... Music always puts pictures in my head. I don't know if you're like this. Maybe you're not. And that's cool. But music always puts a picture in my head. When I hear a song, I, it immediately triggers something in my mind that just makes me think something like when we played that song uh hero not mariah carey's hero but um what's the who's it from uh not the kopecky family band i'm fucking space and it's been a long week anyway uh when we play that song i just i instantly you, you start to you see these scenes of like these wonderful like people being saved and it's and it's not the lyrics it's not translating the lyrics into pictures i'm talking about the vibe and just the music and the way that gets translated into my head into pictures and scenarios and scenes i'll bring it up on the air every now and then that like i'll hear a song and i'll say oh this makes me want to so and so this makes me want to do this or this makes me want to do that you know I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if there's anybody else like that. That's definitely what I get, though. So maybe the Mavericks come on to me. It would, it would be more like a kick-ass Latin cowboy playing poker, awesome at playing poker, saving the girl, shooting whiskey, you know? Just tear-assing it across the West. It's awesome stuff like that. I'd be a good Tarantino. Of course, if it was like Michael Bay or something else, they'd have like a fucking alien ship landing or something stupid like that. But there's a bunch of songs that, that you know. All right, here's another one. Closer to Fine, Indigo Girls. That, for I don't know why, always conjures up, for me, White, white River Rafting. Fucking White River Rafting. Can you believe it? Where the hell does that even come from? I don't know. I just picture nice rapids... You're in the raft. There, you know, there's mountains on either side of you and beautiful trees. Boom, 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 You know, a little closer to fine. That's just what it brings. I don't know. I have no idea why. I have no friggin' idea why. But there, there'll be time. There just a song will just bam, just trigger, just trigger. Not even a memory, not even a thought, 
sometimes it's a memory. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, I remember where I was the first time I heard this song. You know, sometimes it, it reminds you of a friend or, you know, past girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever. Sometimes that. But sometimes, too, just images and, you know... And I, and I always think to myself, man, if I, if I was ever scoring a film and there was a scene where the guy and is doing this and then the girl is doing that, this song would be perfect because I can see that image in my head. If I could only use this power to see lottery numbers, then, you know, I wouldn't have to do this uh, shit for a living. Yeah, I still would. So, Bob with a good question. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, but I definitely picture scenes in my mind of just generic people that I don't even know or actors or whatever, you know, kind of just comes to mind. You know, kind of just comes to mind. That's weird how that happens. That was really weird. All right, now I got this question uh, from a guy named Tom. He writes, uh, Aunt, here's my question. Middle-aged guy, divorced, finally back into the world of dating. In fact, I just got my first smartphone a couple of months ago. Congratulations, my friend. Way to go. Way to jump into this century. Uh, long story short, I am dating this girl... I felt like our first two dates didn't go well. Then she texted me a picture of a necklace that she just got that she was really proud of, but it is a picture of her boobs. Is she interested in me? Tom, I'm glad you came to me with this because besides being an outstanding morning dish jockey, I am also an expert in the world of romance and the love. Now, when a girl sends you a picture of a necklace and her hooties are in that photo, it can mean several things. I wish she had given me more details because if there's a low-cut shirt, let's start with this, ladies, and you disagree with me. A, a woman will not send a photo to a man unless she has reviewed it several times. Okay? I'll say this, Tommy boy. She's going she's gonna to go over that photo. Especially you're dating. You know what I'm saying? She's going to be... So women are self-conscious. Men are too, but women really are. You know, they, they got... You know what? They got a nice little package. They want to present that package in a nice light. They want to put it together good for you. They want to show off the goods. They want to, you know, they want to make it happen. They want to make it rain. Um, so they're going to review the photograph. So what I'm saying is she's not taking the photo and then just hitting send. All right? She's reviewed the photo. Now, I'm sure, even though women will get very excited over jewelry, I mean very excited, the way men get excited over hockey and meat sandwiches, steak and eggs, stuff like that. You know, they get very excited over jewelry. So perhaps she did get quite excited about the jewelry. Um, and she forgot that her hoodies were in the background. Uh, that's a possibility. In which case she might not be intellectually enough. 
you know, might not be all there. But again, women will get awfully distracted by shiny silvery jewelry. Like I will, I'll forget everything if you throw a Philly cheesesteak in front of me. It's just the way we're wired. Um, so it's possible she forgot her hoodies were there. What I think is she didn't forget. And if she's wearing low cut, she's sending you a, me- a message. Like, hey, daddy, mommy's interested. All right. I'm using this stupid necklace that I probably had for five or ten years uh, as an excuse to send you a picture of my hoodies. Which is fine. Hey, nothing wrong with that. God bless you. You know, good for the two of you and making a love connection. That's what it's all about. All right, just the two of you. You can make it if you try. Um, so that's what I think. I think that she knew them, them hoodies were over there. She's throwing it out there, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. What I'm worried about is how bad are you screwing up that she has to get your focus, you know, into, hey, I got some hoodies here for you. What are you talking about? You going on and on about the ex-wife? What are you doing? Don't screw this up, buddy. You got a golden opportunity here. Sounds like a nice girl. All right. Now, if her if she wasn't all low cut, right, and she was just sending you a picture of the necklace, it's possible. It's possible her intention was, I'm really, really excited about this necklace, and I want to show Tom the necklace. All right. If it wasn't low cut, she's still going to review it, the photograph, to see if it was good. And she's going to say to herself, the necklace looks good here. And, oh, my hoodies are in the background. And she's going to have a moment where she goes, well, is this a bad thing or is this a good thing? And the fact that you got the picture, that's a good thing. So, again, another positive. Another positive. Now, if she wasn't thinking about her hoodies at all, she was still pretty excited about a necklace, and she was still excited enough to send it to you. So be happy about that. Maybe she's not overly excited about showing you her hoodies, but she is excited enough to continue a conversation with you. And um, that's a good thing. I feel like this is all favorable. I don't think that there is a downside to a girl sending you a picture of a necklace with her hoodies in the background. You know, God bless. Now, don't go and, uh, you know, don't go complimenting her on the hoodies. Don't acknowledge the hoodies. Don't be writing her back and going, oh, wonderful necklace, top-notch hoodies. Just keep it to the necklace. But know that on a sub-level, there's, there's, there's hoodies in the atmosphere. She's, throwing, she's floating the hoodies thing out to you. And again, shut the hell up about the ex-wife and whatnot. And, you know, stay full. I, I am the prize, my friend. I am the prize. Now, if you need any more help, you let me know. Okay? You let me know. And let's be honest. Send me the picture, Tom. Stop being selfish. Let's move on to the uh, next question. Uh, let me see here. Some good questions. I'm on my way to go get a haircut right now. I don't think in my entire life I've ever gotten more than, I'm going to say tops, tops, four haircuts that I've really loved. Four. 
All right, and I graduated college a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I graduated college at a decent, decent time ago. All right, it's a lot of haircuts. What do you go through? About a haircut a month? Some some people go two. Some people go a haircut a month. Some people go a haircut every three weeks. I'm on my way to get a haircut. I probably got a haircut three weeks ago. I don't think in my lifetime, seriously, three or four, I've ever gotten more than that. What the hell is it about haircuts that you, nobody can get it right? I want you to think about this. Have you ever gotten a friggin' haircut, more than one, that you've absolutely loved? That you've come out of that haircut going, holy shit, this is it. This is what all the other haircuts need to be measured by. Now, I'm not taking away from the people I go to to go get a haircut. Because I'm t- I've been through several barbers and haircut stylists over the years. I've been through a bunch of them. None of them. They've all for, them, all, for the most part, each and every one of them wouldn't make it into the Hall of Fame. Their numbers would be well under batting. They, their numbers would be under 100. They wouldn't even make a baseball team. They'd be cut from the team. You'd never get a good haircut. But you keep going back to these people. Have you ever gotten a haircut that you've just been like, wow. Now, ladies, this might be different for you. I don't know. I can't tell you because I've never really been a lady before. Never really more than a few hours at a party or a Halloween excuse kind of to wear a dress thing. I've never really been a lady, so I don't know. I don't know what that's like for you. But I know for a guy... Now, I think we're simpler, right? Now, I'm not getting, like, layered shit going on. Like, ladies, you're getting your layered shit. I don't know. Maybe that's harder to do, so you never get a good haircut. Maybe that's easier. There's more things, moving parts, so it it looks good no matter what. I think, guys, for the most part, we can kind of keep it together so it looks good. You know? I never look like crap, but I never get that great haircut. Four times in my life, I think. I've said to myself, shit, this is it. This is the friggin' haircut that I wish I could always get. And then you go back to the same person, and you either never get it again, or it's like another two or three years until you get get it again just like that. Is it possible that we have shitty barbers? That there's not a barber that can replicate greatness over and over again? Or is it more my stupid head? Now, I'll say this. I have thick hair. Very thick, nappy. My hair has been described as nappy. I don't know if that's politically correct or not, but those are charges and terms that have been used against me in the past. Nappy. I have been, when I miss got in trouble, been called a nappy-headed home myself. Okay? But these are the friends that I carry. I choose to associate with these dopes. So I deserve everything I get from them. So maybe it's my difficult hair. My hair is a little difficult to get along with. I don't know. But I, I had a streak there with a barber for like a, like a good 12 years with the same two, three barbers. You know, the same establishment, two or three different barbers. Never fucking great. Never. You get out, there's always like that one friggin' patch. You know, you got your little beard trimmer. You got to go home and just just buzz that out because you never want to say anything. Because if you criticize a barber too much, that's it. You're fucked. The next, you, you got to go somewhere else. You can't just be like, well, it's really not that even. Don't fucking tell a barber it's not even. They do not like that, okay? They're, they're dealing with six friggin' mirrors. They got the mirror in front of you. They got a mirror behind you. They got that little handheld fucking mirror thing that they're always, like, wrapping around your head like a, 
like a moon to a planet. They're always kind of like whooshing that around to take a look at shit. I don't know how they're, I don't know what they're doing. But they, they, they take pride in the even thing. And you can't tell them, well, it doesn't look even. You gotta, gotta just go with it. And here's another thing, and maybe the barbers can, couldn't do this. A barber will always say, oh, you want gel? Fuck no. I never take gel. You want to know why? Gel is a quick fix for them. If they gel it all, it's just going to all mush into the same thing. You know, don't give me that shit. I'll gel my own shit when I get home. I know your little tricks. Barber person. It just seems like I can never... It seems like out of everything, you go to a restaurant, most part, you get a good meal. I think you get more good meals at restaurants than you get bad meals, right? You do. You go to a sporting event or something, for the most part, you're going to go to more exciting, thrilling games than you are those boring one-to-nothing games, right? I don't know if there's anything that we go to that's more disappointing than a haircut because they're never good for anybody. I don't have a friend or have never heard a person in the history of my existence on this planet consistently come back to me and go, you got to see this haircut I just got. It is breathtaking. It's magic. I never get a call from my friend going, Aunt, you, you got to get over here. It's unbelievable. But for the 14th time in a row, I've got an amazing haircut. That call has never happened to me. Never. I'm always let down by my haircuts. Now, don't get me wrong. For the most part, they're eh, they're serviceable. Haircuts are like trips to the DMV. They suck, but you come out of there going, all right, now I'm going to move on with my life. I, I, can re- I can recover from this. I can recoup it all. Well, I can pick it all up and start all over again. It's not the end of the world, but if you're really going to analyze it, it's pretty shitty. The experience of the whole thing is pretty shitty. It's always a letdown for the most part. Like I said, restaurants or even when you go out for ice cream, you try a new place. More times than not, I think you're going to have a more positive experience than not with anything. Hiking, biking, restauranting, whatever. A haircut is the only thing in life where... More times than not, it's going to be a really terrible experience. Even a dentist, even a dentist, I feel, is a more positive experience. Why? Drugs. Drugs. Now, is some middle-aged creeper, because they always are, right? You know, a little weird. Maybe it's because I don't like people sticking their fingers in my mouth. That automatically makes them a creeper. But some middle-aged creeper is going to stick his fingers all over in your mouth and gonna gonna drill, gonna stick drills in there, and it sounds like a horrible thing, but you know the the good dentist, you know, you know, drug you up as high as a motherfucker. You just yeah, whatever, man. I am fucked up right now. I can't feel shit. You go ahead, you stick that drill in my mouth, buddy. You know, even so, even at a dentist, you're gonna have a more positive experience because of the drugs. I, I I agree they got a little cheating tool there. They got the drugs and haircut is not got drugs. And, you know, there's a little cheating tool there, but but you're going to have a more positive experience at a freaking dentist. But a haircut. Man, is that a brutal thing. That is a consistently brutal thing. Perhaps perhaps we should give drugs 
to barbers. We should give them the ability to throw a little gas on us, you know? Not so much to numb us from, like, the pain of a haircut, but more so just to get us a little wobbly so that when we look at this crooked, uneven mess that they've created, we go, yeah, that's fine. Because that's what you do. No matter how bad the haircut is, you always look at them and they go, how's that? And you go, yeah, that's fine. Are you ever at a barber and, and somebody asks and they go, oh, this is great. They're never excited. It's always, yeah, that's good. Because it's the same shit. It's like, well, I've sat here long enough. Um, we've had enough small talk. We've, we've talked about everything from the weather to, you know, government to all the, all basically all the topics I really don't give a shit about and never discuss with my own close personal friends about because I just don't give a rat's ass. But we've covered all those in this nice little 20 minute span here. And I can't possibly sit here and listen to any more of it. So when you ask me how my haircut is, no matter how bad it is, I'm just going to look at you and go, mm, yeah, that's fine. <laughs>